Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Good morning, everyone. Again, I'd like to just say a a happy Mother's Day to all that were uh, able to join us on this screen. We're very thankful for you, especially for all the ladies in our midst. It's it's really a a silver lining uh, this time because I get the privilege of having Angela Kay here with me. So happy Mother's Day to you. And she just gave me a big smile. And then, of course, the silver lining of this time with this technology is my my mom actually gets to be on this uh, worship service with us. So happy Mother's Day to you, Mom, to the two most important women in my life, but also to all of the mothers of our congregation and, uh, and our families. We're very, very grateful for you. So we see in today's gospel, the gospel of John, something that is so rich and so wonderful and full. And in such great depth, it conveys to us the beautiful love of God. And John 13 starts with the Last Supper and this amazing meal that we talked about during the Easter and Holy Week season and the Passover celebration. And Jesus, who had this meal with his disciples, changed the dynamic of a celebration of a remembrance service that had been going on for a couple of thousand years that there was this anticipation that the lamb of God took away and covered the sins of the people. So they were actually free and able to be free to um, escape bondage and slavery. So the, the Passover celebration has reminded the people of God of this need to cover themselves and by the blood of this lamb and Jesus at this great meal does something pretty provocative with the disciples. In essence, he's saying, I am that lamb, that lamb who has come to set you free. And of course, then after that, he lets them know that he's going to be betrayed. And the disciples become very troubled by this because Jesus says something to them, which bewilders them. I'm going away and you will not be able to go with me. And if you remember from John 13, Peter says, but Lord, Wherever you're going, we'll go with you. And Jesus foretells of his betrayal and says, Peter, you're going to betray me as well. You can't go with me. And so we see in this um, that Jesus speaks very tenderly to the disciples. And I think to us today, as we listen to John chapter 14, he speaks very pastorally to us. For these disciples who were troubled that he was going to leave them, trouble at, at what was to come, Jesus says in, in John chapter 14, do not, in the Greek text, that's stop, stop letting your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. There's a place for you. What Jesus does to our emotions and our anxieties and our fears is that he comforts us with truth. I am preparing a place for you. So I want to invite you to join with me as we pray together. Let's pray. Oh God, grant that we may desire you. And desiring you, we may seek you. And in seeking you, 
we may find you and finding you be satisfied in you forever through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's words from John 14 are some of Jesus's most powerful. And John chapter 14 is the most basic message of the Bible. Very simply, Jesus gives us a roadmap for our eternal destiny. It is through relationship to him. It is not a direction based upon living, but rather upon one of loving. This is simply the difference between Christianity and other religious systems, other forms of belief. It's about relationship. From the beginning, God has cared about relationship. All along the way, relationship. All throughout the scriptures, relationship. And this reality of relationship fully informs Jesus's words to his disciples and to us this morning. Perhaps there is no culture more afraid of death than ours. We know that death is really traumatic. So we've been afraid these past months, some of us, afraid of our mortality. And what do you feel like when you walk into a store? I went into a grocery store the other day and everyone has masks on their face because the work of this particular sickness causes death. And it is in these times that we get closer to our sense of mortality. One famous theologian says that the reason we want to deny death or delay it or suppress it or pretend it's not happening, the motive behind that is that we don't want to admit we are unable to truly control our lives. We want to be the captain of our ship. But in reality, we sit in the economy seats of life and we're along for a ride. What a profound contrast. I can't think of something more profound than a death-producing worldwide pandemic, shutting everyone out and shutting everyone down during the resurrection season. For Christians, we have this inherent tension about these things. Yes, we can be afraid. Yes, we can be concerned. But we are the most hopeful of anyone alive because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Our life is hidden with God. So how do you, sitting where you are, staring at a screen, view your own mortality? Are you today prepared for it? I don't think our culture wants to talk about our own death. We're afraid to think about it, afraid to prepare for it, especially our own. But listen to Jesus's words again. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe, and the word there is trust, also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, Would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? The work of Jesus is certainly multifaceted in the sorts of pains and problems and travails of humanity that he addresses. He answers many types of questions. But here's a very important one that he answers. The end of the story, what's to come? There's a place for you. I recently watched on Netflix the story of Natalie Wood. I remember as a 12-year-old 
um, hearing of her death and reading about it. Occasionally it comes up on news every once in a while. And Natalie Wood in her early 40s held the world in her hand and yet died very tragically. And she was famous, probably most famous, for her role in West Side Story, a Broadway musical, and she played a, a Romeo and Juliet type character. And the best song of the musical, a song that I listen to occasionally because I just love the hopefulness of the song, is Somewhere. And of course, Barbara Streisand made it even more popular recently. Well, recently, last 20 years, sorry. The song goes this way. There's a place for us. Somewhere, a place for us. Peace and quiet and open air wait for us somewhere. Something so destructive to us as people is to be without a home, to be homeless, to have no place to call our home, or worse, to be taken from our home, to lose our home. You see, for us, place really does matter. We are an embodied people. We need a home, and we need to go to home. Home is that place of comfort and connection and safety. And in the most amazing words to us, Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. You have a true home a true place. And I do think it takes a certain type, certain time of growth in our Christian life to embrace our eternal future versus our temporal earthly lives. It takes some process to grow into an appreciation and an expectation for that. But what we ultimately long for is a home, a place to go at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, And you know all about this. You know this well. This rests deep inside of you because ultimately what we are all searching for in this life is a home. Your home sweet home, as we like to say. One of the authors that I really appreciate is Pat Conroy. And I've shared this quote a couple of times in my ministry here at Church of the Redeemer. He says this in one of his books. I could not quiet, I could not quiet down that pearly ache in my heart that I diagnosed as the cry of home. Interesting. He says pearly, of course, in reference to the pearly gates promised in the new Jerusalem, in the new heavens and new earth. I could not quiet that ache in my soul. I could not shake that feeling that I am searching, I am longing, I am looking for home. Jesus is saying to us, you are looking for something. And the something that you're longing for, the something that you're seeking, what we're all seeking and searching for ultimately. And if you get it in this life, you think, well, I get that home I wanted. I get that vocation I wanted. I get that thing I've looked for. It never truly satisfies me. And that's because, and I think C.S. Lewis has a lot to say about this. He once wrote, if I find in myself 
desires, things I'm longing for, paraphrase, which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world, another place, another home. And that is why that Jesus tells us we have a home to come, his father's house. And he says in verse three, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And as I've said several times already this morning, what we are searching for in life ultimately is to come home. And it doesn't matter how old we are or how young we are. And home is with God where the Father is ultimately, where the Holy Spirit is and where Jesus will be present with us well. A few years ago, I discovered for the first time, and you won't be able to see it up close, but there's my show and tell uh, device of this Sunday, this great icon from a man named Andre Rublev who died in the early 1400s. And probably why I like it, it's, a, it's an embodiment of the scene in Genesis chapter 22 where Abraham invites the three visitors. And some people say those are the three early appearances of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Certainly not here to argue about that thinking. But he draws this icon. He does this great, beautiful artwork of the three visitors, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, seated around a table with a wine chalice in the middle. And the picture invites you to come sit with them. Maybe that's why I like it so much and, and will find myself staring into it or looking for it, looking at it for comfort. Invited into something deep and safe, and beautiful, to see him, to stand before God, to experience his glory and beauty and his embrace of you and me. Jesus's promise offers a satisfaction of your desire for home in that house that he delivers, that he promises. Everything will be so real and true and perfect. In our father's house, the glory of God will be your glory. This is why in another place in the scriptures it says, we'll all shine like stars because we'll be in the immense and beautiful and eternal glory of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. For where Jesus is, there is heaven. I've often been asked over the years, what is, what is heaven like? And really the only answer I can say is, that it is the complete, full, immediate presence of God. That's heaven. And then I've also had people say, well, what about hell? Is there a hell? What is hell like? And I've said, yes, I believe there is. And hell is the complete, full, immediate absence of God. So when Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, he is talking about a future, a future of full, complete presence with him. And this is why the psalmist writes, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. 
It is better even for one day, if it was only possible, only for one day, to be in the full presence of God than to be 1,000 days anywhere else. Paul says it another way. He says, hey, listen, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. This is why his words are of great comfort. I go to prepare a home for you. He says in verse four, and you know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas, sweet Thomas, probably raises his hand. I don't know what they did back then. And he says, Lord, we don't know the place where you're going. Thomas is asking a GPS kind of question. And Jesus gives a relationship kind of answer. He says, Thomas, you do know the way, but it is not the way that you think. It's not the way that you think about relationship. It's not traveling somewhere. This home is anchored deep, deep down inside of you. Have you ever shared with another person, expressed to another living person, the deepest longings of your heart? What are they? Jesus is saying, Thomas, Those deepest longings in your heart are for home. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has set eternity in your heart. He's placed in you, deep down inside of you and me, a longing for home that will never be satisfied, even by the very best this world can offer whether it's money or security or titles. And that home, that place is truly and finally with God. In Revelation chapter three, verse 20, Jesus speaking to the church says, here I am, I stand at the door to your heart and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. Home, fellowship, safety. It's already there, but you can't often see it. But not a day goes by that you don't feel it or desire it. And in John chapter 14, verse 6, possibly one of the most clear, deep, and beautiful statements of Jesus He tells us how you get home. He says, I am. And if you heard Dan's sermon last week, I am carries great theological power. In Greek, it's ego eimi. I am who I am. And I am who I always will be. I am the eternal one, the alpha and the omega, the ancient of days. And Jesus says to them, I am the way the truth, and the life. And no one, no one gets to the Father except through me. If you want to come home, then consider this, the way, the truth, and the life. The gospel is at at the same time the most inclusive message the world has ever heard. It does not matter who you are, where you live, 
what language you speak, what color your skin is, how you've lived or what you've done. If you want to come home, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Believe in him. And yet the gospel is at the same time the most radically exclusive message. Jesus did not say, I am a road or a way. He said very clearly, I am the way. No one comes home except through me. So for these last few moments this morning together in this passage, let's consider these three words, way, the first word. Which way do we go? Jesus makes it clear that they and we won't know the defined way we are supposed to travel in life, but he is our way. I don't know what life will hold for us. I don't know how this story will turn out, but I do know that Jesus is the way. And because that is not a road I'm traveling on, he is the pathway to God. And to trust in him is the way home. It's not about the journey itself. You know, it's cliche. I know people will say life is a journey. No, Jesus is the way. The second word, truth. How do we know that we're going the right way? Until GPS came along, if we took a family trip, I had six other drivers in my car who would question the directions of which way we were going. And now I just hold up my phone and show it to them. But in this case, how do we know that Jesus is the right way? How do we know that he's telling us the truth? The Greek word for truth is aletheia. It means not hidden or to unconceal. The root word for this is lethe. It's an ancient river that existed in Greek mythology in Hades. And before people would leave Hades, the place of death, and be reborn and come back to mortality, they had to kneel down and sip from the river Lethe to forget their sense of eternity so they could actually live in mortality. But nothing is hidden or secret with Jesus. I don't know about you these days, but I simply do not know who to believe. I'm convinced most most things that I hear now on news, in media, on Facebook, you name it, are distortions, perspectives, and some side of the whole story. But I don't know what's true today. Everyone has some truth, something that they're telling us, You must do this. You must believe this. But what makes Jesus so amazing is he doesn't say, I have a truth or I know a truth, but rather I am truth. Truth is a person. Christianity and the Christian faith is not just passion or believing. It's actually very logical. It's very pragmatic. It's very thoughtful. Do you believe Jesus is preparing a place for you? If you don't believe that, then the troubles of this life wreak havoc upon you. 
and you find yourself in despair. And the famous French philosopher said, life in despair is absurd. However, if what Jesus is saying is true, then you are able to stare into your troubles, your worries, your setbacks, and you're able to even stare death squarely in the face and say, I will not be troubled by you because there's a place for me. In fact, even for your loved ones who know Christ, there's a place for them. It doesn't make death and troubles, and I mean no way to make light of them. It doesn't make them easy. It makes them overcomable. I can go through them because there's a place for me and everyone who believes because Jesus is the way and the truth. And lastly, he is the life. What will I experience along the way of this life? What will I will I encounter as I follow Jesus? There are three meanings, three words for life in Greek that we see in the Bible. The first word, this one, is zoe. The second one is bios, biology, biosphere, the physical nature of things, our physical flesh and blood. And the other word is suke. It's our mind and our emotions and our will. The root of that word suke, of course, is psychology. The word zoe, however, means something quite different from the first two. It is the uncreated, eternal existence of God. In John chapter 1, verse 4, John writes in the same gospel book, In him was life, zoe, and the life... Zoe was the light of the world. In Jesus was this eternality, this uncreated, eternal existence of God. And that's why he could be called the light of the world. Jesus is teaching us what we are really to be concerned with is not this life, bios and suke, but with eternal life, abundant life. We can live this life in such a way that we are not chasing the things that don't last, bios, suke, but chasing the things that do last and have eternal significance. For all of us have bios and suke, but what we are designed for is ultimately zoe, eternal life. Life to the full, abundant, overflowing, not just living, but truly alive in God. Your life here, your vocation, your relationships, this is not your ultimate home. Your direction, your plan is not the way. But listen, friends. Jesus said, where I am going, I am preparing a home for you. What will it be like? Honestly, can't you wait to experience it? For better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. So I would invite you now to pray with me. 
Lord, we do thank you for the power of your word, the power of the gospel, your promise to us that what you desire for us is to have this life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And may we all find our home in you. And we thank you in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen.